Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. Come on, can you give the Lord a shout of praise? Before you are seated today, you may be seated in the house of God this morning. Now I'm going to ask you to please keep the moving down to a minimum. Keep the moving down to a minimum. If you're in the front and you go to the back to use the bathroom, stay in the back. We don't want to, we want to try to keep the moving as, as, as much as we can down to a minimum. Amen? Don't you like to go to church and not be distracted? Say amen. amen. I like to preach and not be distracted. And we want to give reverence to God. So keep the moving down to a minimum. Mark chapter 5 is where I want you to take your attention to this morning. We're going to continue our series entitled Invasion. When God's extraordinary invades our ordinary. And I want to take a look at a story found in Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Jesus, in, in the beginning of Mark chapter 5, Jesus delivers a demon-possessed man. There's a great crowd following Jesus as his miracles are uh, occurring more often. And there's a crowd that's following him. There's something obviously different about Jesus, the way he teaches, the way he preaches, the miracles that are taking place. And people are wanting to be around him, never knowing what's going to happen. The church is like that a lot. In this crowd, he did have people that were around him, that, but were not of him. The church is a lot like that. There'll be people who go to church. You can have a crowd, you can have a lot of people, uh, but they're not necessarily following Jesus. And um, this was no different. Um, there were a lot of people around Jesus. And the Bible takes our attention to a man named Jairus in Mark chapter 21. Jairus is in the middle of a tragedy, a crisis. His daughter is dying uh, at the point of death. And Jairus is, is very worried that his daughter, uh, the state of his daughter, and he comes to Jesus. He finds Jesus. There's a great crowd around Jesus, but Jairus comes to Jesus. Jairus was a synagogue ruler. And we'll read it, and then my plan is to read a little bit and preach a little bit, and then read a little bit, and then preach a little bit, and then read a little more, and preach a little more. So you know what's going to happen, all right? Mark chapter 5, verse 21. When Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the sea. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. That's a good place to be, by the way. And he fell at his feet, and he begged Jesus earnestly. He said, my little daughter is dying. Come and lay your hands on her so that she can get well and live. So Jesus went with him. And a large crowd was following and pressing against him. The first thing I want to look at is who this man named Jairus was. 
Jairus was a synagogue leader. This was someone who uh, took care of the facilities of the synagogue and also planned out the services, arranged the services. You see, um, uh, they were people who made out the agenda, uh, the program, and uh, this was someone who would be heading up the ministry of connecting and uh, these people that you see outside and waving at you and maybe at a table and, and, the, and, and the people who are over uh, the other ministries that's go on, going on, uh, on on any given Sunday here at Remnant Church, they just overseen everything that was going on. They, this is what this synagogue ruler and leader was. He, was. he made sure that the service went well. But I want you to notice where he went to when crisis struck his home. He didn't run to the church. He didn't run to his agenda or his program or his order of worship. You know where he ran? He ran to Jesus. See, there's something that stands out to me before I can go any further. When I think about who this man is and what his job was, his job was to orchestrate the finest Service so that you could go away after going to the synagogue. You could think, wow, man, what an awesome church. What a wonderful church. They've got all the programs and they've got all, oh, man, they've got it all together. But here's a truth that I find in this is this that you can have the most finely crafted services and the most elegant worship experience and have all the T's crossed and the I's dotted. But friend, when you come across a crisis, agendas will not work. Plans will not work. What you need is a move of Almighty God. What you need can only be found at the feet of Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying? He wasn't going to be helped. The sick girl wasn't going to be healed by a nice service. It was going to come from the feet of Jesus. What this woman needed, what this girl needed, what this daddy needed, this 12-year-old girl and this daddy, what she needed was only found in Jesus. He said, Jesus, my daughter is dying. Come and lay your hands on my daughter. Now, I don't know what your theology is. I could care less, actually, on how you feel about someone laying hands on you. But if Jesus laid hands on people, I'm going to lay hands on people. If James said, if James said you got any sick among you, call for the elders of the church and lay hands on them and they shall be healed, recovered. You know, I don't know what your theology is. Like I said, I don't want to get all into that. But Jairus believed that it was necessary for Jesus to come into his house. Now, he was desperate. Uh, he was vulnerable. He was ready. Whatever you got to do, I don't care, Jesus, but I, you got to, I don't know what your plans were. This is a man of planning, by the way. This was a man who made sure the order of worship was laid out. But this, he was coming out of desperation and said, God, you, Jesus, you got to come to my house. Now, uh, when uh, someone comes over to my house, it's a big ordeal. 
because you got to make sure the house is cleaned up. You know what I'm talking about? Ladies, men, men, your lady <laughs> wants you all involved. And then if you invite them over, well, you can invite them over, but you're going to help me get this house straight. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, that's what happened. I can remember uh, when I was a child, my mama was saying, oh, we're going to have one time, we're going to have Thanksgiving at my house. Oh, man, I thought, that sounds good. Thanksgiving at my house. Leftovers in my refrigerator. <laughs> Test tasting at my house before anybody gets it. No, it wasn't good. You know why? Because she told me that about a month and a half in advance. For the next month and a half, I think we clean the house every day, y'all. It was terrible. When you invite somebody over, you want to make sure everything's right. We're doing an art group at my house. Uh, inviting people over like you in our house. Do you know what that entails? Do you know what my wife has to do and what she that drags me into having to do? It's work, y'all. But I want you to look what this man does. He didn't care. See, he didn't care. He was desperate. He said, you got to come to my house. He wasn't trying to dust and clean up. He said, I'm inviting you to the dust of my life. See, what he was saying is this, really. I'm inviting you into my mess. I need you... I ain't, got, I ain't got time to look cute. I'm tired of cute church. I'm tired of performing. I'm tired of saying what I think you want me to say. I'm telling you right now, I, need a, I don't want perfect people in this church, but I do want some people who will say, Jesus, come on into my house. Come on into my mess. Come on into the dust of my, come on, come on, come on, come on, Jesus. Come, come on, Jesus. Come into my house. Come into my church. And you know what Jesus will do? When you invite him into your mess, he'll start cleaning up your life. He'll start cleaning up your marriage. He'll start cleaning up your home. He'll start. Y'all don't want to hear me preach this morning. Jesus, come on. Come on. And I'm praying right now. Jesus, come on into the house. Come on into my come on into my house. Come on and invade this average church right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, may your extraordinary power come on and invade this ordinary. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Lift your hands right now. Would you pray that with me? Lord, invade my life. Invade my home. Invade my marriage. Invade my family. Invade this church. But everything may not go the way you want it. Huh? You might, have, you might have to lay some things down you thought you couldn't live without. But I hear Jesus saying, the thing you, the thing you don't think you can live without, I'm telling you, you can't never live with. You ain't even begin to live until you start laying some things down. Oh, I'm preaching now. I, I, I'm ready for God to invade 
every ordinary part of my life. I am ready for God to invade the church, invade the worship team, invade the front row to the back row, invade the music, the children's ministry, invade the nursery. God, invade my life, invade me, God. Do supernatural things in an ordinary person. God, I'm hungry for you. I don't want church. I don't want religion. But God, I want a fire-blazing revival to burn in my heart, to burn in this church, to burn in my family, to burn in my wife, the burden my my children come on into my house hmm. something happens when you invite Jesus into your house something happens to the clutter of your life when you invite Jesus into your house things that are unorganized become organized uh, chaos becomes calm uh, peace invades uh, mess and craziness. Uh, uh, joy invades sorrow when you get Jesus in the house. You know what happened? You know, you know, uh, you know when uh, 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 the paralyzed man came to the house, you know, I, I say that almost every, every week, you know the story, the paralyzed man, he had four good friends. Well, anyway, the Bible says Jesus was in the neighborhood. And there was a crowd in the house and around the house, so much so that they couldn't even get this man who needed a touch from Jesus in the house the normal way. They had to climb up on the roof and drop that joker in, letting down right there in the midst of Jesus. Why, why, why that house and not the next house? Why that house? See, I bet they passed up some really nice houses. Some really clean houses, some really sharp houses, some houses that look uh, got painted just fresh and look new, and and probably some houses that's got a lot of money. But why did they pass up those houses? Because those houses were they were nicely landscaped. They had a lot of nice flowers around them. They had a nice nice pipe, uh, concrete driveway all the way down. Everything looked good. They had a cute little fall wreath on the door. Some pumpkins by by the by, by the porch on the step. I mean, it looked good. But why? Why did they pass that house to go to this house? Because there was something in this house that wasn't in the other house. Who it was? Hey, it wasn't a something. It was a somebody who was in the house. Jesus was in the house. It do you well to invite Jesus into your mess, to invite Jesus into your house, and that's what this what Jairus did. He said, "Come, lay your hands on her. Come to my house." So that she can get well. So that she can live. So Jesus went. But something happened. While Jesus was going there, there was a crowd around Jesus and there was this woman. We don't know her name. But see, this little girl was 12 years old, by the way. She was 12 years old, the, the girl that was sick. 12 years old. And then here comes this lady who pushes her way through the crowd. A lady that we don't know her name. All we know is Jesus called her daughter. Uh, see, they ain't got to know your name as long as Jesus knows your name. They don't have to understand what you're doing as long as Jesus understands what you're doing. They don't have to understand the joy that you've got right in the middle of sorrow. Jesus knows what's going on in your life. 
they may not understand why you got a sane mind in a crazy world, but see, Jesus knows what's going on. Help me, somebody. And, and so they, we don't know this lady's name, but Jesus will eventually call her daughter. And in the middle of this, Jairus is, oh, he feels like he's accomplished what he was trying to set out to do. And that was to get Jesus to the house. And then here comes this woman who stops everything. She pushes her way through the crowd, and she touches the hem of Jesus, the hem of his garment, the robe that he was wearing, she pulled on the hem that was touching him. So let me tell you how bad Jesus is. You want to know how bad Jesus is? You want to know how bad Jesus is? If you just touch something that's touching him, it'll touch you. Do you hear what I'm saying? Huh? Why y'all looking at me like that? Y'all scared? Because I'm sweaty? I, I done preached at nine. I done preached at nine. I've been worshiping like a wild man. You try to do that and not sweat, Okay. You want to know how bad Jesus is? If you just touch something that's touching him, it'll touch you. Oh, whoa. She touched the hem, the hem of his garment. Well, so what? Everybody was touching him. But Jesus said, wait just a minute. Somebody, are y'all following this right here? I'm not making this up. It's in the word. Somebody, here's Jay Iris. He's a mess. He's upset. He's happy at the same time because, you know, he feels like he's done something. He's got Jesus coming to his house. We're in the right, headed in the right direction. And then here comes this, di this dilemma which causes a delay. And it's this woman who's been sick for 12, here's another 12, 12 years. Hemorrhaging, a blood disorder, a female issue. And she, the Bible says she... Spent all the money she had, yet grew worse. Was under many doctors, but spent everything she had, but wasn't helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. But having heard about Jesus, well, I wonder what the world's hearing out of us. I wonder what they're hearing out of us. I wonder if they're hearing Jesus out of us. I wonder if they're hearing, or, or, or we are giving people the same answers that the world gives. But see, something was going on, and they were beginning to hear about Jesus. And when they heard about Jesus, they were taking their mess and laying it at his feet. You got two desperate people here. You got a man whose daughter is dying, and he said, if I could just get this stranger, somebody I've never met, I've heard that he does amazing miracles, he teaches like nobody else, he preaches like nobody else, he says things that everybody's scared to say, and he's challenging the traditional church world. I think if I could get him to touch my daughter, then something would change. So you got that going on, and then you've got this woman who pushes her way through the crowd. Why? Because she heard about Jesus. And she touches his garment. And the Bible says that Jesus stops everybody and says, whoa, stop. Who touched me? His disciples said, Jesus, come on, dude. What do you mean who touched you? Who ain't touched you? There's all these people around you. And you want to know who's touched you? See, mm, okay. See, I'm preaching this different than I preached in the 9 o'clock service. I guess that's called there's different people here. God knew what you needed to hear. See, you can be around the same Jesus 
that I'm around and leave the same in the same condition that you were in before you met Jesus. You can be, what I mean by that is you can be in this church, in this house, where Jesus is, lives are being changed, people are being saved, folk are being delivered, uh, marriages are being restored. You can go in the, be in the same service and hear the same preaching, hear the same music, and you can walk out and say, well, I didn't feel anything this morning. I didn't hear anything from God. God didn't speak to me. God didn't say nothing to me. I don't know if the anointing's on that preacher or not. I just don't really know. I don't know. Maybe there's some sin in his life. Maybe there's something in his life that is not right. I don't know. Maybe those singers up there, they're not doing something right because I didn't feel it. No, let me tell you what can happen. You can be close, but close ain't enough. If you want God to touch you, you got to cry out to God and say, God, I need, I don't want to be around you. I want you in me. And that's exactly what happened. When she touched him, virtue flowed, flowed out of him into her. Because this is what he said. He said, no, I mean somebody touched me. And when they touched me, put it up there where they, they, they may not believe me. Well, it ain't in this version. You got to trust me. It ain't in this account. It's in Matthew or Luke, one of them. It says, when he touched me, virtue, power flowed out of me into somebody. And he said, who done it? And here comes this woman. Who touched my clothes? And this woman comes out of the crowd. The woman with fear and trembling, knowing what happened to her, came and, here, 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 here they are again, fell down before him and told him, the whole truth. Some of you will never receive your healing until you can tell the whole truth. Um, that was good. I, some of you will only have a partial healing until you can tell the whole truth. I know that's for me. That's for me. Until I can tell the whole truth to God, until I can give him everything, until I can lay down everything, until I can show him, hey, God, you know I'm a mess. You know there's messy areas in my life, and I'm not trying to look cute for church people anymore. I'm not trying to hide anything anymore. Lord, I want to tell you the whole truth till, so that I can become whole in my whole life. Help me, somebody, in my whole marriage, in my whole home. Somebody hear me. She stood before him and told him the whole truth. And then he said, daughter, your faith has saved you. I need to tell somebody right now, your truth don't scare Jesus. Your past don't scare Jesus. Your mess may scare other people, may run other people off, but your junk, your trash, your mess, your mess of life, your lies, your manipulation, your cheating, your addiction, oh, come on somebody, that don't scare Jesus. You can tell Jesus. I, I need somebody that ain't always been saved their whole life. You can tell Jesus the whole truth and he 
truth will set you free. told him the whole truth, all of it. And then he replied to her, daughter. He didn't say, oh, my bad. <laughs> Whoa, I didn't know all that about you. You know why you can tell him the whole truth? Because he already knows everything about you. And he'll still call you daughter. When you give him your whole mess, your whole life, he'll say, daughter. He'll say, son, your faith has saved you. And then he said, go. Go in peace. You are healed from your affliction. Well, that's wonderful. That's great, right? That's amazing, isn't it? But what if you was Jairus? What would you be thinking? Uh, come on, Jesus. You can't save everybody. What? You know, come on. Jesus, are you going to stop every time somebody touches you? I got a 12-year-old daughter at the house. You know that's what you'd be saying. I'd be looking at that lady if I was standing there. I'd look at her and say, could you have not waited? Right? But Jesus had not forgot about him. As soon as he heals this lady, while he was still speaking, people came from the synagogue leader's house and said, don't you love people like this? Hey, leave Jesus alone. I hate to tell you this, but your daughter's already dead. Your daughter's dead. Why? Father, the teacher anymore. And let me tell you, there's some people out there, right now, out there that will tell you right now, they'll tell you the exact same thing. That what they'll say is, why, 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 why? you've done too much. You've said too much. You've been too, they may not tell you to your face, but they're telling other people, there ain't no way God can do anything for them. They have been so down for so long and made such a mess of their life. Don't even bother. They shouldn't even bother coming in church. You know who I seen at church the other day? Who did you see at church the other day? Uh, I seen so-and-so at church the other day. Oh, you did? Oh, well, hmm, I, I know they should have went to church a long time ago. You know what they're saying is, they're saying that what's dead in their life is it's final. It's over. It's dead. It's too far gone. The bridges have been burned. But see, that ain't what Jesus sees. I'm so glad that Jesus doesn't look at people the way I look at people. I'm so glad that Jesus doesn't see people the way I see people. I'm so glad that when you gave up on me and you gave up on this church, God didn't give up on me. God didn't give up on this church. Don't bother me. She's already dead. When Jesus overheard what he said, <laughs> when Jesus heard what was said, he told the synagogue leader, don't be scared. He spoke to a spirit. See, the Bible says God is not giving you a spirit of fear. It's a spirit. But a power, love, and a sound might sanity in a crazy world. You hear what I'm saying? Calmness in chaos. Mm. And when he heard what they said, he, he, he told them, he said, don't be, Jesus said, don't 
be afraid. Only believe. They sung about it. God, the God of the impossible, can break the unbreakable, can move what seems to be unmovable if you only believe. Uh, I, I want to prophesy or preach or declare or something. I don't know what you call it, but I'm fixing to say what I feel like God's speaking to me right now. Don't give up. Don't quit. Mama, don't quit praying for your children. Daddy, don't quit praying for your children. Don't quit believing for your household. Don't be quit believing for your family. Call their name out to God. I don't know how long you've been praying. Pray some more. I don't know how long you've been believing. Reach down and believe some more. I don't know who you've been trusting and they let you down but if you'll trust in Jesus he will not fail you there's well don't be afraid only believe he did not let anyone accompany him except Peter John James's brother and they came to the leader's house they're at the house and when they got there, he saw a commotion. There were people there weeping and wailing loudly. Now, it was a custom in this day to have to hire people to cry over people who've died. Y'all know that? And the more money you had, the more people cried, the more you could pay. See, don't y'all? Some of y'all wish y'all wish y'all had somebody cry at y'all's funeral. Hey, I'm open. I'm open. <laughs> For the highest bidder. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Sorta. Of. It just depends. They came to the leader's house and they saw a commotion. People weeping and wailing loudly. He went in to, and said to them, "I love Jesus because he didn't care. I mean, he cared, but he didn't care what people thought." He, he never broke one law, but he tore down every all of man's tradition. Here they've hired people to cry. And Jesus walks in and said, what's all that noise? Why are y'all making a commotion and weeping? And I love this. And then he speaks a truth. See, anytime he opens his mouth, it's truth. It don't matter what it looks like in your life or the current situation, or the facts even that have been given to you, whatever Jesus says is what it is. And Jesus speaks over the whining and the wailing, and he says, wait a minute, this child's not dead. She's just taking a nap. She's asleep. And then people start to laugh. Now, so you got crying going on, and you got laughing going on, and then you got Jesus doing something. This lady, this girl, this 12-year-old girl, she's not a lady, she's a little girl. My daughter's 10, she's a little girl. This little girl, 12 years old, I believe represents us as individuals, but also I, I believe it represents us as a whole, the church. Hear what I'm saying. There's some people right now, individual, I'm talking to you as a person. There are some people right now, 
Maybe, maybe, maybe not right now, but in the past, they, they have cried over you. Cried over your spiritual condition. Cried over you and thought all hope has been lost. They've been crying over you. But at the same time, these folks laughing at you. Right now, some of you who are backslidden and you are not living for God, there are people laughing at you right now. They're saying they ain't, I, I knew they didn't have the real thing. And they're laughing at you. There's a world out there laughing at you. They're laughing at you. Some of you serving God, live for God right now, and they're laughing at you. They think you are foolish. They think you have lost your mind. Can I, you are so simple-minded. You are so desperate that you need, you can't handle what's going on in the world. So you need a higher power. You are so weak. You are such a joke. You are so funny. And they're laughing at you. There are people crossing this, uh, going, going across this, uh, past this church today, and they're looking at all the cars out here, and they're thinking, how silly. How foolish. We're out there telling people about Jesus on a Saturday, and there are people looking out their windows and saying, how foolish. How crazy. We were standing there, one, we knocked on one person's door the other day, and we're, we asked them, hey, we're talking to them, asking them if we can pray for them, and they looked at us and they said, I don't care what you do, but you can do it without me. Aw, oh, bull. What no aw oh, for me? I said, I, we, we, I, I'll pray for you. Shut the door. Close your blinds. They left. We prayed. You can lock me out, but you can't lock Jesus out. You can close the blinds, but you can't close. I bet that was in there laughing. Huh? Look at that big old biracial, bow-headed guy. Can't tell you how many black people came to this church and said, Pastor, we thought you was a light-skinned black person on the video. <laughs> I said, well, do I have to be one for you to stay? If so, what's up, bro? <laughs> Some of y'all can't handle that. <laughs> you can get over it. Now, some people laughing at you. Some people's making fun of you. Some people right now is crying over you. There's some people right now who are crying over the church because they think the church is dead. They've given up that the church has lost, lost their way, weak. They're scared for the church. They're crying over the church. At the same time, there's a world out there that's laughing at the church. And while you got some people who are crying about us, and you got some people who are laughing at us, we have a Jesus who is speaking over us. And this is what he's saying. Don't give up. You may have some crying. You may have some laughing. But silence the voices. Listen to what I'm saying. You're not dead. It's not over. You haven't done too much. You haven't been lukewarm too long. 
I'm telling you, you're not dead. Other people may give up on you. Other people may quit on you. You may have backslidden on God. You may have grown complacent and grown weary in well-doing. But hear what I'm saying. The calling of God is without repentance. I didn't make, I didn't make a mistake when I made my mind up about you. I, I need somebody to help me. I called you and I called you knowing every decision you would ever make. I took it all into account and I still said I love you and I'm going to die for you and I've chosen you to live for me. You're not dead. You're just asleep. But I hear Jesus saying and shaking us and waking us and saying it's time to get a arise sleeper. Arise out of your slumber. Arise out of your complacency. Get up. It's time to go. She ain't dead. She's just asleep. How could Jesus say that? Because if when you're the resurrection and the life, death ain't no more than a nap, y'all. He said, she ain't dead. She's just asleep. They laughed at him. He put them outside. Ha, laugh at Jesus, see what happens. <laughs> they laughed. He said, get out. If you can't believe, get out. If you're going to be a distraction, get out. If you're going to run that trap, about anything and everything but Jesus, get out. If you're going to cause division, get out. If you're going to be a distraction, get out. If you're going to be a gossip, get on out. If you're going to cause division, get out. If you're going to talk about me, get out. If you're going to talk about my wife, get out. If you're going to talk about my brother or my sister, get out, get out, get out. I'll fill your seat with somebody who don't know God and is ready to hear the message of Jesus Christ. He said, get out. put him outside and he took the child's father, mother and those who were with him and he entered the place where the child was and he took the child by the hand and he said to her yeah Talith Kun well, pastor is that how you say it? heck I don't know <laughs> you don't either but I know what's translated. It's translated in the English to say, little girl, little girl, I say to you, get up. Now, I don't know what sickness this girl had. I don't know what had happened to her. But all I know is this. When Jesus says get up, Whatever's holding you down's got to roll off of you. It's got, there ain't nothing, 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 nothing going to hold you down. I remember when Jesus walked up to the tomb of Lazarus, and they were saying, it's too late, it's gone. They was crying, they was crying, there was some mocking him and laughing. That's why he said he had to have that prayer with God. I don't know if you remember, he said, God, hear me when I pray. He said, I know you hear me when I pray, but I just want to pray this so everybody can hear me. You read it, it's there. So they knew that God done it. And they said, you'd come too late, Jesus. 
Jesus said, roll the stone away. Hey, you, you and you, move that stone. And one of the sisters said, whoa, 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 whoa. He stinks by now. He's already, decomposition has set in. That ain't too big for God. That didn't scare Jesus, the son of God. He said, do what I said, roll the stone away. He was bound up. He was tied up. Lazarus, you need to read it. He was tied up, bound up. He wasn't scared. Jesus wasn't scared. Jesus said, Lazarus! This, he, had been, he had been dead for four days. Right? Four days. Stinking. Rigor mortis has done sat in. Lividity sat in. But when he heard the voice of Jesus, I don't know where he was at. I ain't that good of a theologian. Somewhere between here and heaven. Being a place called Abraham's bosom. He was probably in there playing cards or something. I don't know what he was doing. Talking to Moses. Drinking coffee. I don't know. That's bigger than I am. But he wasn't on this earth. And he, wasn't, he didn't have porch. He was not alive, but Jesus called out his name, Lazarus! Lazarus said, Moses, hold on just a second. Did you hear that? Lazarus, come forth. All of a sudden, he looked over at Moses and Elijah and said, I got to go, boys. <laughs> I thought I was staying, but this is just a visit. I'm just I like it, but I can't stay here. He's gone. And his spirit jumps back into his body. And life comes back into his body. Blood is flowing through his veins. And you know what he done? He didn't sit there. No. -uh. See, when you come alive in Jesus, you don't just sit. When you come alive in Jesus, you don't just sit on your butt and think, well, praise the Lord, I'm saved now. At least I'm not going to hell. No, when you've truly been revived and you are alive in Jesus, nobody can keep you still. Nobody can keep your mouth zipped and shut up. You're going to tell everybody you're going to go anywhere and say, come see a man named Jesus. Well, he said, get up. She got up. Whatever was holding her back, whatever the sickness was, it was gone. And the Bible says immediately the girl got up and began to walk. She was only 12 years old. And at this, they, they, all of them, all the laughing, all the crying, all the wailing, all the doubters, all the instigators, complainers, those who told Jairus don't bother Jesus, he's dead. The crowd that bothered Jesus, the disciples, all of the people that were there, they were utterly amazed. Put it up, put it up. Verse 42, it says immediately the girl got up and began to walk. She was 12 years old and at this they were utterly astounded. Hmm. God is getting ready to do something in us and through us that's going to leave the world utterly astounded. 
I said God is getting ready to do something to us and through us and in us that's going to leave the world utterly astounded. I said God is getting ready to do something in us and through us that's going to leave the world utterly astounded. You know what's utterly astounding is when you see a drug addict that's been a drug addict for uh, 25 years, 30 years, but Jesus gets a hold of them. What was wrong with them? Well, they were dead in their trespasses and sins. You want to hear a miracle? Dead in their trespasses and sin. Dead. Weight down. Dead. Everybody doesn't give up on them. Everybody was laughing at them or crying over them. But while they were crying and while they were laughing, Jesus is speaking to them. Hey, get up. Get up. Hey, hey, have you heard God say that over your life? Get up. Well, would you get up and give God a shout of praise? Would you get up? 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 Musicians, singers, come on. Stand all over the house this morning. And I hear God saying, get up. Get up. Get up. Sin's held you down long enough. It's time to get up. And God's going to use your story to astound the masses. God is getting ready to use you to astound people. Not to bring you glory, to bring, to bring God, to, to, but to bring God glory. Nothing brings God any more glory than when people give their lives to Jesus. Nothing. Nothing. See, you think, oh... Hey, hey, you know, look what I've done. I'll add somebody to Jesus. But you know what? See, we're doing what we do because we love God. And there's a whole thing about we'll get a crown when we get to heaven. Yeah. But you know what we're going to do with it? Soon as it hits our head, we know where glory belongs. We take the crown off and we lay it at his feet. See, all of this affects us, but it ain't about us. It's about him. It's all about Jesus, Bryce. All of it is about Jesus. Jesus is stirring something in me. He's stirring something in us. There's a preacher that is very popular. You know him. Probably you've heard of him. Well, you don't know him, but you've heard of him. And he's, I always see him asking this question. The great, about the great falling away of the church. Is this the great falling away? I don't know. I'm not as smart as he is. Is there a great falling away? I think so. But I also hear this. There's also a great harvest. The harvest is ready and ripe. But the laborers are few. You pray. You pray. God to the God of the harvest that he would send laborers. I don't know a whole lot about farming. My granddaddy was a farmer. My daddy farmed. I did. I'm in another farming business. I'm planting seeds. 
and I'm reaping harvest, but it ain't corn, and it ain't okra, and it ain't tobacco. Uh-uh. I'm making, I'm a jeweler. I'm making a crown <laughs> so that I can lay it at his feet. Uh, but this is one thing I know about farming or just planting. That you got to harvest when the crop is ready. Like tomatoes, they will hang over. And if they hang over and start touching, I think I'm right about this, start touching the ground, that ain't good. Because they'll start to rot. Picture it. Jesus said the harvest is low. It's ready. It's close. All you got to do is go out there. That's all you got to do. I'm just not everybody. I'm going to run you over. All you got to do is go out here. And there is a harvest out here. You just got to, you just got to go, grab it. They're low. You ain't got to reach up. You reach right just all around you. The harvest is ready. But I'm here to tell you, that's a great thing, but it's also a scary thing. Jesus is saying, not only is the harvest ready, not only are there people that are waiting on you, there are people who waited on you and you never came. You want, you want the whole truth or you want some of the truth? They were waiting on me and I didn't go. I was too concerned with the cares of this life. I was too concerned about what felt good to me instead of going out into the harvest. And they died on the vine. They rotted on the vine. I had a guy call me today, uh, this week. He said, he said, Pastor, he said, pray for me. Pray. I'm in a bad way. He said, there was a person who I talked to. They called me, and I knew why they called me. They were sick. They were in the hospital, and they, I knew why they called me, and I knew what God had put in place for me to share Jesus with them. But something happened. And I didn't. And I said, well, I'll call him tomorrow. But he died. Tomorrow is today. And today is done. And I You're worried about what people will say. What people will think. And they're waiting on you to say something. They're waiting on you to speak to them. God has went ahead and done the work. Amen. That's why I can get up here and preach. 
and not be the most educated and not go through all the years of seminary maybe that some others have gone through, but I got a passion and a zeal in my heart and I know God has already prepared the harvest. He's looking for a labor. Get this out of the way. Get this out of the way, Jay. Get this out of the way. He's looking for somebody who will be willing Move it, willing to get on their knees and harvest. Bring it in. Go. All you got to do is go. That's all. Jesus has already gone before us. All you got to do is go. But you got to get rid of you. You've got to get you out of you. You've got to decrease so that God can increase. You've got to pour it out all on Jesus so Jesus can fill you with him so you'll be willing to go. where you want him more than anything. And when you want Jesus more than anything, you'll start living for Jesus, serving God, and doing what he's called us to do. I believe this picture of this girl, this illustration of this girl, Represents us, our life, without Jesus. The Bible says you were dead in your trespasses. Dead in our sin, but have been made alive in Christ Jesus. I want you to look at me right now. I had a guy call me. Barged. Actually, didn't call me. Uh-uh. Monday I was having a meeting with someone at around 5.30 and this guy opened the doors of the church just come on in and he, I was walking out of my office and he was walking into my office and he had tears rolling down his face and he said, oh, God, I'm so glad you're here. He said, I've done something I shouldn't have done. He said, Sunday, last Sunday, this past Sunday, he was here at the 9 o'clock service today. And he said, this past Sunday, yesterday, he said, while you was preaching, he said, all I could do was cry. He said, God was doing something in me. I needed to give my life to Jesus, and I didn't do it. And he said, I couldn't sleep last night. He said, all day today, I couldn't hardly do anything. He said, I had to get to you. I had to get to you. See, it ain't me. He was, having to, he was trying to get to Jesus. See, you don't, listen, don't get your theology jacked up and think, oh, pastor thinks he's got to come to me. No, see, theology's out the window right here. It's just like when this man said, come to my house. See, see, Jesus could have just spoke the word and healed this man's daughter. But he knows how, what we need, when we need it, how we need it. 
He said, God, I'm so glad you're here. He said, I, I cried through the whole service. He said, and I knew I was supposed to give my life to Jesus, but I wouldn't do it. And he said, God wouldn't let me sleep last night. And he said, I've been up all day today, and I've just been playing this thing through my mind. Oh, God, give me a chance. Give me a chance. If I see the pastor, if he's there, I'm going to make things right between me and you. He come in my office. He said, Pastor, I just, i got to get saved today. I said, amen, amen, amen. Him and his wife was here today at the nine o'clock service. God has drastically got a hold of him, changed his life. The harvest is ready. He was dead, but to Jesus, he was just asleep. But I hear God speaking now, and he's doing, wanting to do just what he'd done for that man. He's wanting to do for you today. He's wanting to He's saying, get up, get up, get up. I'm calling you. I know what you've done, but I'm forgiving you. You're forgiven. I'll never put you to shame. Come accept my goodness and my grace and my love, and I'll give you a life. You're dead right now. You're dead in your past. You're dead in your failures. You're dead in what should have been and what could have been. You know, but Jesus wants to give you life today. Satan comes for no other reason but to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come so that you may have life and life more abundant. So look at me good. I'm asking you right now. I'm not playing games. I'm not saying close your eyes. None of that. Because I've done this. You want, what will people think about you? Anybody who's saved in here will celebrate with you. They'll rejoice with you. They'll praise God with you. Right now, though, you've got to get desperate. You've got to get desperate. You gotta be willing to push yourself through the crowd. Come on. Yeah. Grab hold of the hymn. If that's all you can grab, grab hold of it. If you gotta get down and hold on, you hold on. You know what you gotta do. If you gotta fall down on your knees and hit you, get down to his feet. Cry out to him. Do it. Do it. It ain't about being cute anymore. It ain't about being cute or acting cute or acting like you got it all together. You don't. We need Jesus. The only difference, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Come on. I need Jesus. And I'll do whatever I got to do. So here's my call. Here's my call. Come on, Andy. Come on. Come on. Come home. Come home. Come home. Come home. Come home. 
Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah, come on. Come on. God's moving right now. Come on. Hallelujah. Come awaken your people. Come awaken the city. God, Paul, listen to me right now. I'm standing right here. I'm standing right here. I know others have already come. I'm asking you right now. If you do not know Jesus in a real, intimate way, if you don't know the Jesus that I'm preaching and that I'm talking about, I'm asking you right now, would you come step out? What will they say? It don't matter. All they'll say is, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm asking you right now, sir, ma'am, is there anybody out here? Don't you go to hell from this church. Stop, stop. Don't you go to hell from Remnant Church. You don't, you hear my preaching today? If you go to hell, you'll hear this in your mind. Some of the things you, I said you didn't like today, it offended you today, but you don't want to accept him. This will replay through your mind. Some of the greatest torment in hell will be Satan replaying every opportunity you had to receive him. Every opportunity you had to receive Jesus, but you didn't. Don't you allow that. You're, you're over-dramatizing things. I'm not telling you the truth enough. I can't get real enough with you. So I'm begging you right now. If you've walked away from God, if you've turned your back on God, if you are not saved, if you need to rededicate your life to Jesus today, I don't know what your theology is on any of that. But if God is dealing, can we go there? Can we just say, if God is pulling on your heart and on your soul right now, that you don't stay in your seat, but you lay yourself down, before I can give the altar call. Here's the altar call. Come unto me. Jesus. Come unto Jesus. All you who are tired, weary, heavy laden, come unto me and I will give you rest. Today I'm asking you, if, you, if you're any of those things I described, would you run down to this altar right now? Come on, ma'am. Come on, sir. Yeah, come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. They're coming. Don't quit clapping till they get. Quit coming.
Anybody else? You need to come to this altar. your hands right now toward Tasha right here. Ashley, Ashley. Father, right now in the name of Jesus. your hands all over the building. I don't know how many people got saved today. If you did, praise the Lord. Lift your hands all over this building. Father, God, I thank you for what you've done today. What I can see. But there is a whole lot I can't see that you are doing in this place. If I had a prayer today that I could close out with for these people, would be God put a hunger in them. I don't want to be hungry alone. 
at me real quick. You know the one of the worst things you can do or loneliest things you can do is eat by yourself. Who likes to eat by themselves? Not many. You like to eat. You like to have people with you. Who likes to cook a meal and sit down at the meal and somebody say, I ain't really hungry. You don't like that. You don't, you don't want to. I ain't really hungry today. Well, I cooked this meal, but I'm, well, I'm not really hungry. I don't want to be at the table by myself, hungry by myself. And it ain't for me. It ain't because I'm, I'm lonely because when I got Jesus, I'm not alone. I mean, I mean him, we'll share, we'll share, we'll sup, we'll eat. Or, but I want you to be at the table too. I want you to be hungry too. I don't want to be hungry by myself. Oh, God is doing, let me be the first to tell you right now. God is doing a, is, has revived me. There is a revival fire burning in me. I mean, it is burning. It has given me boldness to say things I backed off from saying. I'm saying them now. It's helping me love people with like I ain't never loved them before. Giving me a burden for the lost beyond anything I've ever had before in my life. I love, but I don't want to do it by myself. I want you to be hungry. you're supposed to be at. I'm asking you to get hungry for God. Pour out all of me onto all of you so that you can fill me up. Fresh wind of the Holy Spirit blow through this place. What's alive in me that don't need to be alive in you, God? What am I feeding off of that I shouldn't be feeding off of? What, what are areas in my life I need to repent of? You know about repentance? When's the last time you've repented? When's the last time church, church, now some got saved today, praise the Lord. But church, those who just didn't get saved today, when's the last time you've repented? When's the last time Holy Spirit got a hold of you 
and said, you need to tell that person what you've done was wrong. When are we going to get hungry? See, I'm tired of a Jesus I can compartmentalize. I'm tired of a Jesus that I can just come meet at 9 and 11 but not change me at 12. I'm tired, of, I'm tired of settling for a Jesus that only speaks to me when I go to church twice a month. intervention of the Holy Ghost we need a Holy Ghost intervention something to show us what's really going on in our lives is anybody open to God for God to do what he wants to do in your life It's always made me repent. It's always made me repent. 
So God, forgive me for what I've made it. Forgive me, God, for what I've turned it into. Forgive me, God, for not going when you said go and doing when you said do. God, I don't want to miss this move. I don't want to miss this move. All of this is not for nothing. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters. Y'all, everything that's going on is not just happening. God is trying to wake us up. us up from our conveniences. Oh God, I want more of you. I need you, Lord. I need you, God. For my city, for my community, God, for this region, for my family, God, for my church family, for the prodigal son and the prodigal daughter. disciples, your apostles, the church, in spite of persecution and in spite of inadequacy and in spite of not having everything, they had you and they went and they signs and wonders followed them and they weren't, they didn't give in to pressure and fear. But when God, their life was at stake, they would have a prayer meeting. And they'd pray for boldness. And they'd pray for power to go. And God, we're so involved in everything else but you. And we're unmoved. That's scary. We're unmoved. The church is unmoved. We're not moved by the things of God anymore. We're not moved by the power of God anymore. We've shut it out. God, help us, Jesus. Help us. Help us, God. Oh, God, set us place. Set us This, this morning, this afternoon, whatever time it is, I love you. And I dismiss you today. If you want to stay, I've got to stay. Hold on. 
I got to stay. Um, and I've got to do some business with God. But if you've got to go, you go. And I love you. And I want you to go in power and boldness. And I want you to pray for me. I'm praying for you. And I'm praying that a hunger will be sparked in you. That will change your life. Change those around you. Thank you for being here today. If you want to stay and pray, you pray. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.